You are listening to the Boss Business of Surgery series, episode 78. Today, I talk with the Money Fit MD, Latifa Akantade. She just has a new book out called Done With Broke. You definitely need to check that out. Search Amazon for it, or you can find the link on social media. Today, we talked to her about her lessons that she has in the book. I can't wait for you to hear this. And for more information about the Boss Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com. Welcome, surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we needed to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you'll learn those lessons not taught in residency. Welcome back. And I have another guest we've had on before, and I would have her on every single week if she had any time because I love her so much and all of her wisdom. This is Dr. Latifa Akintade. She is the Money Fit MD, and I'm so excited to announce that she has a book now out called Done With Broke. She's going to talk about timeless principles that we all need to know about money, and I cannot wait to hear all of her wisdom. So welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me back. It is, I will talk to you. I think you said you would have me on every week. I would talk to you every day if I could, because I do think <laughs> you're so amazing. So thank you for an opportunity to come and hang out with you and your people again. I love it. Well, I'm so excited to talk about these principles because I mean, these are things, many things that I've learned, but you have just such a unique and, you know, again, timeless uh, spin on it. You know, you don't go with the fads, you go with all the things that, you know, what's going on in our mind. And, you know, I think that your the approach that you have to money makes it so easy and natural and common sense. Um, so let's start talking about some of these timeless principles. Now, you mentioned that we all have a money story. Tell us more about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, this is I'm excited about this book, not just because I'm the one that wrote it, but because I truly believe that the things that are written on there are not normally written in the way that they've written it. In fact, I, so the book is written with women physicians in mind. And I have a lot of humans in my life that are not physicians. And they're like, Latifah, we need a book for us as well. So what I did was I actually had two people read the book that are not physicians. And they're like, Yes, your stories tell us about physicians, but the principles in here apply to anybody that wants to move to a different level when it comes to their finances. So whether they're middle class and want to build wealth, like whatever they are, wherever they are, and it's fun to read about doctors. So I'm excited to get this book out in the world. And someone else actually hadn't told you this. I'm going to be doing the recording of this, the audiobook. And the person that's going to be doing the audiobook sent me a message after my publisher sent her all the data. And she said, I read your book. My husband and I read your book and we did half of your worksheets. People need to have this book. And she's not a physician. And I actually was so shocked. I will be honest. I shut my computer because I couldn't take the emotional craziness that came <laughs> on me. I was like, I cannot handle this right now. I literally walked away. And then I came back two days later and replied to her email. <laughs> Amazing. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you guys. And so what the whole idea about this book is, is it's not just about financial education. It's more about wealthy life and wealth education. And in order to create wealth, there are timeless principles that I believe that everybody needs to have. So, you know, 
the things that we talk about today, like cryptocurrency, didn't exist 20 years ago. God knows what we're going to talk about in 10 or 20 years from now. And so sometimes it's easy to think about all this stuff, hear about all this stuff, and think, I can never get a hang of money. I can never get a hang of wealth creation. But what I've done in my life and what I share in this book is the fact that you don't have to go with the fads, right? The, the, the classic can be the classic. You learn new stuff, you build on it, but there's something about wealthy foundations and wealthy wisdom when it comes to finances that I believe transcends what the fads are and is what I'm teaching my kids, what I hope people will teach our kids so that generationally we don't ever have to worry about being broke again. So it starts with talking about our story. And the reason why I think our story is important is a lot of us don't know that we get stories passed on to us from our families, from generations. So the conversations that we had around dinner table are not around dinner table are the things that now become the pieces that I now take into my finances. So for example, if what my parents were talking about was like, you know, how we don't have money, how we shouldn't spend money, how money is bad for you, or how money is easy, like whatever that conversation is, without them even teaching us or having a com- like having a teaching session with us, we're grabbing all the stuff because again, we learn more from what we're observing than what we're told. So all of this becomes part of the recipes that we carry on throughout our lives and becomes part of our money story. And so a lot of times when I'm working with physicians, there can sometimes be a sort of like a misalignment between what we want versus what we think is right. Because, but my mother said money was hard. My father, my parents were fighting all the time about money. So I don't like fighting. So I don't really want to do money. I don't want to talk about money, right? So all of this becomes now part of this recipe of our own lives, of our own money story. And until we realize that there's a story that we've inherited, until we realize that there's a story that we have in us and become more observant and more intentional about observing our own stories, it's going to be really hard to change what we want to do in future. And so for your audience, if you've been trying the money stuff, and honestly, I'm not saying this as someone that hasn't lived this. I'm saying this as someone that has 100% lived it. Like seven years ago, I knew zero about money. And I was trying to learn what the crap a 401k was. And I just wasn't getting it. <laughs> yes. I'm a freaking physician. I'm not not smart. I'm smart. We all are smart and intelligent. We've memorized every renal pathway. And here I am not being able to understand what a freaking 401k is. Like it makes no logical sense, Right. But the reason why that was happening was because I had already had the story in my life that money was hard, money was complicated, right? Money was like a different language that I'd never heard before. And so anytime I'm trying to get new information, it's like trying to have water bounce on an oily surface. Like it's just not going to stick, right? So I had to become more aware of the story that I had about money, about learning money. And it was when I started understanding that, that I now sort of like relaxed a little bit. And now I could plant seeds of financial knowledge into my life. Like what the heck a 401k is, what is investing, what is a real estate investment, active, passive, and all those other stuff. But the very, very first step is we need to examine our stories. And, you know, I think this is the genius of your title is done with broke because we we think of broke and we think of money, but, you know, broke is basically, you know, our broken, like not a disconnect, essentially disconnect to our story and, and where we got this information from and our disconnect with the knowledge and, and things like that. And so, you know, this idea of broke is that, you know, it's not just lack of money, but it's lack of knowledge and lack of insight 
And and I loved that we are now done with it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And what I also love about the title is it's not done being broke. So this is not a book for people that are broke only. It is for everybody. And the reason why is when we think about the reason why we don't do the things we want to do in life. For example, maybe you have a dream of, you know, we're talking about sabbatical. Maybe, you know, you have a dream of taking six months off, but you don't. Even though you're not broke, why are you not, why are you thinking you cannot take six months off? A lot of times it comes back to money because you're afraid that if you do it, you will be broke. So it's not done being broke. It's done with broke, meaning that it's just a vocabulary. It's a word that is no longer going to exist anymore in our dictionary. Like we're not going to be living our lives afraid. We're not going to be living our lives, not doing what we want to do. If you want to work part-time, you can work with part-time without worrying about money. If you want to take a freaking sabbatical, you can do that. I'm doing that myself right now. Like what we want our lives to look like, we can have that. The gift of freedom exists for all of us, but it has to start with us dissociating with the idea of brokenness, whether it's now or in future, or even for generations in our kids. Like as parents, we worry about our kids all the time, right? We want, we don't want them to start from scratch, but we also don't want to create a bunch of like little assholes that are going to have money and not have a, you know, be gifts to the world. But those principles are the same things that is going to transcend any new things in this life that we've been taught. It builds their financial and their wealth character. And when they have the character, they become free to live a life of purpose. They can be teachers if they want to, because guess what you've done? You haven't just handed them money, but you've given them like the foundation of money, the character of money. And that's something no one is ever, or any recession is ever going to be able to take away from them. I completely agree. And I think these things like recessions and all these challenges really make us pause and think about our mindset and what we're teaching our kids and what we're teaching ourselves, what comes up for us, the fear um, and all the things. Um, and that leads to another idea, basically a lie that we're all been told, or at least we buy into, which is this idea of once I arrive to this area, I will not have to worry about this anymore. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> Fallacy, oh my goodness. Would. This is that's <laughs> literally what I started my book with because that was me, right? I moved to the United States about, I don't know, 20 something years ago. I did the whole, you know, study hard. I went to college. I graduated from UCLA. I went to UCSF. And then after that, I went to Mount Sinai in New York, did my internal res mes residency, internal medicine residency. And then I did my gastroenterology fellowship, right? I was hitting all those high notes because I wanted to be an excellent physician. And one thing I never worried about was money because I've been told that, you know, your physician you don't ever have to worry about money. Like it just happens magically, right? It just you know, you get your degree, you get through your training and a voice comes from above that goes, you ain't never going to worry about money anymore. Um, that didn't happen for all of us, right? I think the best principle that I heard was different level, different devil. Different levels, different devils, right? But here I was though, because I had my first kid in residency. I had my second kid in fellowship and then I had a third one in attendantship. And I remember going through my fellowship, knowing that I was there for one purpose and one purpose only to be an excellent gastroenterologist. And I looked around and my attendants were, many of them were burnt out. 
they have a slump on their shoulders, like just kind of like going through the motions, not advocating for some of the things that I believe they could have advocated for, for themselves, for us, for our patients. It just felt like, well, we're told that this is what it is. And, and that just didn't gel well with me. I knew that as someone that understands the power of her voice, if I continued in that path, I knew my future was going to lead me towards burnout. I knew that my future was going to lead me towards not having a voice in how I advocated for my patients. And the things that were of value to me and still of value to me is mentorship, right? Disparities. And I'm like, God forbid I practice medicine and not be able to do the things and advocate for the people that I want to advocate for. Like that would be the equivalent of not living for me right to, to lose our voice for me is like the lack of life and so it was that fear that really became the driver of everything that I did when it came to learning my own money and getting it figured out but the arrival fallacy was that that was not going to happen that you would get there you would get the tools and everything's going to be set up and money will come every day and you work and you'll be happily forever after until the age of 65 and all the burnout data showing that the depending on what study you look like, 40 to 50 something percent of physicians are burnt out. And I'm sure it's even higher right now with the pandemic and everything else we've gone through. So, you know, the arrival fallacy is something that we all need to be aware of. It happens with our life. It also happens with our finances. And that's why I love the way that I teach about money inside of this book, because it's not just about your money. It's also about your life, the power of your voice, the power to live life the way you want to, because I truly believe that our voice is one of the most important things in our life, really. Absolutely. And I really, I truly love your last episode too, where you know, learning about money is the secret to burnout. Like when we are financially free, and that's not really a value. I mean, that's not like a money. That is when your mind is free from the burden of what money has to offer. I mean, that's the true pathway to burnout. So if you have missed that episode, go back there right now. Well, first buy the book, now then go back to the episode and, and really you know explore this idea because that is just one more thing that we feel trapped by. We don't have to feel trapped by. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that it's not just the money. Like, I literally, have, I'm so grateful for the communities that I put myself in, because part of my work is to be a bridge to money and wealth for women physicians. And so I put myself in places, even outside of physician communities, where large amount of money is being talked about. And I will tell you that it's not just about the money, it's the money and the mind to be able to see the money as not something that you need to live your life for, but something that's meant to be a tool to help you live your life. It's not, you don't live your life to have money. You have money so you can create an even bigger, more purposeful life. So it's not all about the money. It's not all about the money. And I talk about that in the book as well. Your relationship with yourself matters. Your relationship with yourself just matters. Like your thoughts about yourself. Do you at least like yourself? Like you don't have to love yourself every day. But I would tell you that if you don't work on your relationship and your thoughts that you have about yourself, it's going to be hard for you to grow your finances to the extent you want it to grow. But even when your money is growing, it's going to be hard for you to have the wealthy life you want if your relationship with yourself, if your relationship with money, and if your relationship with others is not something that you're intentionally working on. And I go into details about that in the book as well. 
I can imagine. And I know that when we like pair our value with what is in the bank, you can imagine how stressful these recessions can be. You know, we imagine like losing our job would be overwhelming. There's all kinds of things that, you know, when we tie our worth to that, you know, is it worthy of tying our worth to that? Or as you mentioned, is it a tool? So let's talk about money as a tool. You overcome one myth that we've heard about debt. So tell us how you describe debt and what we should do with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of times this goes back to the story that we've inherited, right? Whether you're in medicine or outside of the me- of medicine, the stories are there. And many times those stories are not there for bad intent, right? It's just a question of, is it helping you accomplish what you want to accomplish? Is it helping you move to the next level that you want to move to? So for example, a lot of stories that we hear about debt is like debt is bad. Debt may be bad, Debt is good. Debt may be good. I would ask people listening, like if I was to give you a knife, would you say knife was good or bad? You're going to go, it depends on what I'm using. If I'm using like carve some nice slice of something, it is great. But if it's in the hands of a kid that's going to like cause trauma with it or cause injury, then it's bad, right? And the same is true for debt. It is not the fact that a knife is good or bad. I call it neutral. The fact that it's neutral doesn't mean you should go acquire a bunch of knives and not have any living space in your house. And the same is true for debt as well. I honestly am glad that I chose to relearn what debt meant. So debt literally means money that you're borrowing because you're saying that I don't want to spend my money or I don't have the money right now. And the cost of borrowing that is going to be what we call interest, right? And so what I always tell people is, I ask myself, is this debt an asset? Is it helping me build my life and my wealth? Or is it going to decrease my life and my wealth? I'm not going to borrow money to take a vacation. It's just not something that I want to do. Unless my mental health was at risk, in which case, yes, I need a break. I'm going to do everything that I need because my mind comes first. And so if I need to borrow money to make sure that my mental health is taken care of, my life is preserved, in my opinion, that's the most important thing. So if you need to hire a therapist, if you need to get a psychiatrist, if you need to get a coach with emphasis on your brain, I am pro that because I truly believe that our lives and our brains matter the most. But I'm not going to borrow money for things that are going to be liabilities, things that's going to decrease the wealth of my life or decrease the quality of my life. So, for example, you know, when it comes to debt, I I've used debt in a really smart way, in my opinion. And when I'm buying real estate, for example, I'm not using all of my cash for real estate. I have a down payment, usually 20%. I borrow the rest from the bank and the cost is the interest. But then what I make sure I do is I do the due diligence of making sure that the property that I'm buying is a good property that is going to cash flow so that the money that I'm borrowing now is something that is an asset. It's taking care of itself. It's building the equity. It's building my net worth and it's also giving me cash flow so that I can not rely on my clinical income, which I'm grateful is something that I chose to not do, right? So that's how I think about debt. And the other beauty of separating this judgment around debt is that it helps us just have the clarity to be able to make decisions. When people are so bogged down emotionally and mindfully about debt, it actually prevents them from being able to create clear plans of execution of how they're going to pay it up. So a lot of what I talk to my women about in our Money Fit MD community is learning how to be 
mentally better with debt. And when they're free, they pay off their debt actually faster than people that hate debt, which is like crazy amazing. Like I literally remember a woman physician that joined our program. This is, I think, last year. Within like three months, the debt that had been burdening her and she had been carrying around, I'm like, you don't have to hate your debt. She's like, I don't. I'm like, I don't. You don't. You don't have to hate it. We just need a plan for it. Within a few months, she paid it off. And I'm like, people think I have to hate it to get rid of it. When in fact, you need to just improve your relationship with it so they can have the clarity of mind, clarity of focus so that you can actually have a plan to pay it off. And I know that you have talked about as part of, you know, bringing your book to the world is that you're also going to share the stories of the people that you've worked with. And so uh, we'll be looking out for that event too, because I'm really excited to hear about people doing this in real life, because you could have people who are like doing all the things, but to have someone who looks like us, who I tried this and this is what worked, um, you know, that it really just speaks volumes. Absolutely. I'm honestly... I'm personally excited to witness that. And that was not the intent. My intention was to create, you know, do a live event where I can teach women physicians. We'll talk about the book. We get to have a private space. They can ask me any questions about the book, how, like whatever. I'm an open book in closed containers, right? And so that was my goal to create this event. But then I just was asking myself, how can I even make this an even more helpful event? And part of that is bringing people that may, be different from me. So I'm here thinking about who do I want to bring in? You know, I did a recession RX thing a couple months ago and I love the people that I brought in. I'm thinking, should I bring those people back? And then it was literally, I was coaching in my own community and I'm listening to those women. I'm listening to their journey. I'm listening to their wins. They're not perfect. They're like literally people like you and I. And I just sat down and I almost like I became an observer author. I'm like, what the heck? Like, these are the women that are doing the work. These are the women that are transforming before my very eyes. They're paying off their debt. They're buying investments. They're recovering post-divorce. They're single, happily single. They're married trying to figure out how to build wealth without their spouses being in agreement with 100% of their decision. I'm like, these are the people that need to come teach us. So I'm really excited. It's going to be a, a celebration of women. We're calling it... um women breaking the mold. And that's literally what those women are doing. They're redefining what money and life and medicine and and everything is. And, and honestly, I am just, I feel really privileged to be a part of the community that I've built, but it's really the women in there that are, that are the, they're the energy of the room. And it truly is just a privilege for me to be an observer of the things that they're doing as well. Well, I'm really excited about that event. And of course, you know, I'll be sharing those details. Um, so if someone is interested in that, because I certainly am, and I imagine this is going to be really valuable for so many people. Take us through, you know, one thing that I see is a challenge that people have in spending money. So, you know, what have been the things that you've learned with people spending money? And what are some of the principles that you teach people? Absolutely. So one of the things I found when I started doing money was everybody said I needed a budget. And I was like, okay, great. If that's what it takes, I'm going to learn a budget. And then I'm like, spreadsheets. I hated spreadsheets. I still do till today. And I was like, okay, this fancy app that I'm not going to mention that everybody seemed to be using. I tried that for about two months. I was just like, okay, this, obviously, this people don't get me because this stuff just doesn't work for my brain and doesn't work for my life. So I 
quit all that. And now what I do for myself and what I teach my people is more of a spending plan, right? And the way that I think about spending is this money is coming to my world and I get to be the conduit for which the money gets into the world. So if I'm going to be birthing kids, it better look like me, right? So my money better look like what I want my life to look like. And there are times in my life when it didn't at all. And there are seasons in my life when I have to like change how I spend so that it can reflect my life. So the question I ask people is if I look at your spending and I don't know you, what is it going to tell me that you value? Is it going to tell me that you value paying a bunch of interests? Is it going to tell me that you, which means you love paying for the private cruise of the CEO of the bank, <laughs> right? Is it going to tell me that you love exercising? Is it going to tell me that you love books? Is it going to tell me that you have shares in Amazon? Is it going to tell me about the ownership that you have, that you're someone that values your ability to own things, right? And that is going to change. So wherever you are right now, the goal is not to judge yourself. I don't, that's not my MO. The goal is to ask yourself, where am I and where do I want to go? So if there are things that you're spending on, that's not of value to your life. Maybe it was of value to your life 10, three years ago when you were going to the gym before you bought your Peloton, then it was then. Now it no longer is. So now let's make your spending looks like your life now and what you want your life to look like in future. Maybe you're paying money that was due to mistakes that you've made in the past, right? Maybe you got a bunch of debt and that's okay. Now you've created a plan for your money so that your future is going to look different. The other thing that I like to ask people is when I'm spending, I ask myself questions like in six months from now, am I going to be glad that I spent my money on this or will I wish I had my money back? And that litmus test has helped me make decisions in the, in the moment where I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. And that doesn't mean it stopped me from spending. Sometimes it's actually made me spend, which is great. You know, one thing I don't know if you know this, my oldest daughter just turned 10 recently and we had this small get together and it's something that I wanted to plan. I wanted to plan it, but this quarter has been really, really busy with work, with the projects that I'm working on, with family. We've had family visiting it from international spaces and all that stuff. And so I really wanted to plan it myself, but here I was seven days before and the only two things that I had was who was going to cook the food and the location. The location needed to be arranged, like everything else needed to be done. So here I was seven days before, and I'm like, okay, what the heck are we going to do now? And I chose to hire someone to plan it, literally the best money that I've ever spent. So now it's been done two, two weeks ago, and I still am so glad that I spent this money the way that I did, right? So it's not the way that I think about spending doesn't stop you from spending, which is what the world tells you. I don't believe in that. It doesn't make you spend. It makes you spend in a way that is important to you, in a way that builds the life you want, in a way that doesn't grind you, burn you out. Literally, there. I mean, I that cost me four figures. There are times when I'm like, I ain't going to spend my 50 bucks on this because I'm not going to be glad I spent on it right so it's uh it doesn't matter what the actual dollar amount is it just helps you create a life for yourself and that is exactly what money is meant to do is help to augment help you create a life of purpose live a life of impact and live a life of relationship where your money can actually augment that as opposed to take away from all that I love it. And, you know, I was getting a visual in my head as you were describing this, you know, it sounds like money is like the fuel to get you from point A to point B. And if you want to get to point B and the amount of money that's going to take you to get there makes sense, then it makes sense to go there. But having Absolutely. a purpose and a goal and, and really a clear understanding of whether it's worth it makes perfect sense. 
Absolutely. I know a lot of people that sit down on a lot of cash and they do not understand what the purpose of money is, but you have to learn to build it. So, right. It's multi ways. It's a spending part, but it's also the creating part of things. You have to learn how to create money in a way that doesn't grind you. And those are things that I talk about in the book as well. I love it. And, you know, a final concept uh, that you mentioned is becoming the CEO of your financial life. So take us through that concept. Oh, I love, love seeing women become the CEO of their life. It is a beautiful thing to see the CEO of their finances, because a lot of times we tend, especially if we're not interested in something and zero judgment, I don't like decluttering. I don't like organizing, right? And no matter how much time I have, I just tell myself I don't have time because I just don't like it. So it just becomes undone or I delegate it to someone else. And that's what a lot of us were doing when it came to our finances. We delegate to anybody else with a pulse. We make up stories about our spouses and tell ourselves they're good with money, even when we don't have any evidence to suggest that. We make stories in our mind that our money is better served with a financial advisor, even though, I mean, not that financial advisors are bad. I've met great ones. And I'm like, y'all need to be out there telling people how to do their money because you guys are amazing at what you do and helping us improve our relationship with money. But the goal is not to delegate everything and not so and not supervise it right so the whole idea about the CEO of our money is a way a mindset that I want our women to have so that you don't think you have to do every single thing by yourself you don't have to file your taxes yourself you could partner with your CPA and learn how to do it, learn how to augment because I, our brains are amazing. Well, I mean, we're physicians. And if you're reading this book, you're obviously smart, even if you're not a physician. So you're already by, if you listen to Dr. Amy's podcast, you're already incredibly intelligent. So mm-hmm. I'm talking to people that are incredibly smart, which means that your brain is an asset that serves humans and your brain can and should be an asset that can also help your finances. So when I'm having my CPA with my money, I'm not just deferring to them. I'm telling them about the ideas that I'm learning from other spaces. I'm telling about, you know, real estate professional status, a short-term rental, you know, tax loop. I'm telling them about like, is there anything else we need to do to make sure that we're not cheating ourselves by paying additional taxes than what we should be paying, right? So that is using the power of my brain as the CEO of my life to know that I can do this, but I don't have to do every single thing myself. There are seasons in my life when my taxes were simpler that I did it myself. Self. But it's no longer as simple as it was, but I can still bring my brain. I'm the, like, I'm the one driving the orchestra. I personally don't have a financial advisor right now. I had some un, not great relationship with them in the past, but it's something that I probably will be looking to do in a couple of years where I have someone just look and make sure that the stuff in that bucket looks good, right? But the key is when I put myself in the seat of a CEO of my life, of my wealth life, it means that I have to be aware of what's happening in all the parts. And I also get to leverage the time and the brain of others around me. In fact, just literally a week before, a couple of days ago, before we recorded this episode, we were in our money community, I was coaching. And one of the amazing women physicians that was asking me a question that I could easily have answered to her. But I realized that the reason why she was asking that question was because she did not want to ask the person that she could have leveraged outside of her. So her homework was not for 
for me to answer the question was for her to understand the fact that she's a CEO and a CEO's job is not to know every single thing about every single thing, but our CEO's job is to think almost like separate themselves a little bit and be able to think critically. And she can now go back to the person she didn't want to talk to and learn from them because whether she knows or not know has no impact on her amazingness, on her worthiness, on her badassery. And when we have that mindset, we get to learn from everybody. You can learn from your contractor. You can learn from your, you know, from your whatever mortgage manager. You can learn from your CPA. You can learn from everybody. But what I don't want us to do is think again that this is going to take, everything has to take more and more time. Like everything, has, no, we don't have to be the one to like do every single thing, but we have to train our minds. We have to understand that Avoiding is not the solution. Imagine if I own a business or if, you know, if I own a company and I'm avoiding a branch of it, it's not going to work, right? I am responsible for all of it, but I'm also the one that's like directing the orchestra and I have the amazing brain that I can now leverage, partner with those that I'm contracting and maybe paying for their time and their brain. And that's how I get to create even more amazingness in my life. I love that. I mean, such a great concept of being the CEO of your financial life because, you know, we know like we have our own ideas of what CEOs are. You know, mine is is that they ha- they are the visionary. They are understanding all the the things that need to happen. They by definition don't know all the things. They've got people for that. You know, but you still have to manage your people. Otherwise, they'll run away with all the things. Um, but it really it gives you uh, the idea that it's actually more simple. It's it's different skill sets that we've never been taught. So rather than now doing it yourself, where you just had to have the knowledge, now you have to leverage vision and management and checking in and, you know, really understanding the process and, and or at least who who can help you with the process and overcoming all the mind challenges. And so I love that, that idea, because it means certainly true for, you know, running a clinic and, you know, running your own career. But this is just another aspect of your life that we've now progressed to, you know, becoming the visionary rather than the little worker bee. And that transition, you know, feels like a rocky one, but it's the one that we're always meant to take. Absolutely. I mean, maybe when you started your practice, you were a one woman show and you had uh, an MA that was checking the vital signs. And, you know, as you grew, right, things you're like, okay, we can now pay an RN to do this. Like you built on it. So understanding that your money journey is going to look different for different phases of your life, but the foundations are always going to be the foundation. And you as the driver, you have to learn the the, the foundation. And that's what the book is all about. <laughs> Yes, it's a great uh, comparison too, because I mean, I'm now three years into my private practice and how it started is completely different than how it is now. I, I pause every now and then and go, what on earth? How did I do all this? Like all of a sudden, and like, if you ask me certain processes, I used to know everything. And now I'm like, I have no idea, but I know who to ask. Um, it, it's definitely, you know, our lives evolve into that, which is, is I think a great thing. I love it. I love it. And it's a choice too, right? It's in line with your vision. That's what you, that's what you're growing into, right? And if you chose that, you wanted it to be how it was last year and that's what you wanted. And that's a key to like, we have a choice. And that's what I want everybody listening to this is money is something that helps us with the power of our choice. And so when we learn how to create money, when we learn how to use money, we, our lives can look the way that we wanted. And sometimes even way better than we've ever imagined. I think that's fantastic. And I mean, clearly everyone should get your book. <laughs> they should. I think so too. And I think all these concepts are so helpful and universal. And so Done With Broke is coming out on May 2nd. Second. And 
I'm very excited. So, you know, and obviously like the, the event of women breaking the mold, I will obviously be promoting that as well too, because there's so much that you have to offer that I am so excited to, you know, be just simply the messenger to share people, you know, what's out there. And I really appreciate all that you're doing with Money Fit MD. No, thank you. I really appreciate you. And I don't know if I told you this, but my birthday is actually May 2nd. So the book is landing on my birthday. So it's going to be, we're going to have a blast inside the event that we're planning. So I hope to see you guys in there too. So you may be thinking this book is a gift to you, but I'm thinking you are essentially a gift to everybody else. And so why not celebrate your birthday? You know, you being the gift that you are to everyone else. Oh, see why I love you and why I want to talk to you every day. Yeah, that's why. (laughs) Thank you. Well, it's, you. it's easy because it's real and genuine. And so Dr. Latifa Ekantati, our Money Fit MD, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited for your book. And so congratulations for all the efforts that you're doing to improve everyone else's well-being. Your exponential effect on the world is just, it just can't be denied. Thank you. And right back at you. Thank you. I appreciate you. For more information on the Boss Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com.